What's the state of the Christian film industry? Find out next on the Christian Arts and Entertainment Podcast. Welcome again to the Christian Arts and Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Newsom. Thank you for being here, whether or not, whether you're joining us via podcast or via YouTube, we're, we're glad you're here today. I have with me uh, my guest, uh, Michael Head, and he is here and going to talk to us a little bit about the Christian movie and film industry. Uh, thank you for joining us, Michael. We're glad you're here. I am honored to be here and be a part. Well, let's start with just uh, give you an opportunity to tell us about yourself, um, about your background, your education, what you do, and your connection to the Christian film industry. Uh, absolutely. Well, um, my entry into the film industry kind of is a little backwards from what most people think. Um, I was involved in a lot of Christian theater when I was in high school, uh, middle school, high school, and college. Um, I stop doing that. I, I kind of wanted to be an actor for a while. Then I saw myself on camera and I'm like, never mind, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, but I became a, a, became a teacher and I actually was hired to teach uh, computer classes at a private Christian school. And because of that, they also said, well, you're teaching computers, so you can teach our video production class too, right? And I said, yes. Went home that night and Googled how to teach video production. But um, I fell absolutely in love with it. Uh, just every aspect of crafting the stories, telling the stories, the images, the audio, everything. And so I actually went back to school uh, online through Full Sail University, where I got a degree in digital cinematography. I went on to Asbury University, where I got a master's degree in uh, digital storytelling, and I extended that into a master of fine arts in film and television production. Um, in the past 10 years, I've made dozens and dozens and dozens of mostly short films um, for a variety of audiences, um, both Christian and secular. Uh, I've been involved pretty frequently in the 168 Film Project, which is a uh, an annual uh, faith-based film festival out of Los Angeles. Uh, I actually have several different features that I'm in various stages of production right now, both from writing up into um, actually getting the production side going. So, uh, it's been an interesting journey, but I've enjoyed it. And just seeing how film has developed over time and how that storytelling is part of what I love to do and how so many people love to do it. Um, it's just something that it's it's kind of in my blood right now. And I'm not going to give it up ever. So it's a lot of fun. Good. Um, well, the, the Christian film industry is one of the, one of the areas that I know least about. I'm a musician and a writer. Um, I have a daughter who is involved in, in ballet. Uh, so, and my son does music production. So, and, uh, but the film industry is sort of, sort of an outlier of, from my experiences. So why don't you uh, give us a snapshot. What is the state of the Christian music industry? And, and what is it exactly, the Christian film um, industry? Well, I, I, I kind of have to start by saying, let's talk first about the state of the film industry itself right now, because okay. especially with all the COVID-19 stuff that's going on, the state of the film industry in general is very much in flux right now. Obviously with theaters being shut down for so long, um, 
uh, one of the big movies that came out recently was uh, Tenet, which was supposed to be this huge, massive blockbuster, and the numbers are coming out, and it's hardly making any money at the theaters. And so that's something that studios are going to be keeping a very close eye on what's next and what's going on. And we have, if we go backwards in time a little bit from that, um, we have to think about the impact of streaming services. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to meet with a casting director from Fox before, before Disney bought Fox, actually. This was a couple of years ago. But um, I, I, I'm not going to say his name just because I don't know if he's still there or not, but I will say that he, he personally found some very big names that were in some Fox feature films. And when I met with him, he had literally just come from a meeting of all Fox executives, like literally the entire company called all their executives together. And they said, what are we going to do about this streaming stuff? Because they didn't have a plan. Netflix was a huge disruptor in terms of film production. Obviously, first they started off in home delivery, just DVDs and then streaming services. Then they actually moved into a production company and producing their own original content. Uh, and you also have the impact of culturally relevant films. Like most people that have been paying attention to Netflix recently have heard about this movie, Cuties. And I, I don't really want to talk about that, but what I want to talk about is the fact that that has had a huge impact on um, Netflix's business model. They're, they've lost billions of dollars in the past couple of weeks because of this one choice that they made for this film. Um, so, all that being said, what does this mean for the Christian movie industry? Well, when we, look at, when we look at movie production historically, it was always very expensive. And so you had a very limited number of people that could actually produce good quality films. Um, there's actually a book that I, I just picked up, I'm gonna start reading it soon, called Addicted to Mediocrity, and it was actually written in 1981. Um, and it was talking about Christianity, specifically in the film industry, but also in the arts and how right. It was kind of like just, we were happy with just being okay at things. And anymore, that's not really an acceptable level of quality. Anybody can take their phone and produce very high level content as long as they know what they're doing. Um, I, I, I am a teacher as well as a, a producer and I always have students ask me, what's the best camera? And my answer is the one you have. Right. Because if you have the skill to use it, this can be an amazing tool for filmmaking. Uh, Steven Soderbergh has made several films on iPhones. Now, obviously, they also used professional sound equipment, lighting, and whatnot. So it is skill along with um, equipment. But in terms of the Christian film industry, we're in a very unique situation. There's tons of available outlets. There's tons of distribution that we have that previously we didn't have access to in the olden days of the movie theaters you had to go through a distribution company and get get people in the seats watching movies in the theater now you can make a film put it on youtube vimeo um and anybody can watch it you have to promote it you have to uh they can be made very cheaply which is both an a both a an issue and a positive thing because well we can talk about i'll talk about that more in just a minute um, we have the opportunity as Christian filmmakers to tell amazing stories and also get more people to watch them than ever before. Uh, in terms of streaming services, you have faith-based alternatives to 
Netflix through things like Pure Flix. Uh, there's a new there's a new service coming out. Uh, I actually think it opens the Friday after we're recording this uh, called Salt Flix. Um, there's a new channel on uh, Roku Creative Motion. I think I think. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Creative Motion Revolution, I think, something like that. But it's a Roku channel where you can actually go and watch people compose their faith-based content on it. Um, and so in terms of Christian movie production, you have first the people that are in the kind of in, in production film, in production terms, it would be in the indie market, the low level, very low budget, um, making movies on the weekends, that kind of low-level indie indie film area. And you also have, on the flip side of that, you do still have big names producing films. Um, the Kendrick Brothers, the Irwin Brothers. The Irwin Brothers just started uh, last year. Uh, I think they called it the Kingdom Studios, which is their kind of production and distribution arm. Um, and so you still have that kind of big divide between the people that are at home and just wanting to make films for small audiences and you have that kind of larger production side that uh, is going to be the bigger names. Uh, if you really want, want to get high level, you're talking about Mel Gibson with Hacksaw Ridge and the passion. Um, they're doing a passion sequel, I think right now, or they were before everything shut down um, focusing on the book of acts. Right. So there is this kind of big divide in terms of budget, but the great thing about people that want to make movies now is you can actually go do it on your own, with friends and you can have an audience for that. You can build that audience. So there's an easier way to reach people through things like YouTube, like Vimeo. And you can also have, you still have that larger side where people have films that can be shown in theaters and large streaming services. And so it's, it's the, for me, it's a great opportunity because anybody can get, make a good film and it can go on a streaming service and get lots of eyes on it. So that to me is, I, that's kind of a very long winded answer to say, um, even though we don't really know where the entire industry is going to land right now, it's a great time for uh, Christian filmmakers and people that are just getting started because they have a lot of inroads now that didn't exist before. Right. Um, I want to go back to what, what you said at the, near the beginning of that, when you talked about being addicted to mediocrity, and um, this is this is something that that I personally have have, have had a criticism in, in in all Christian arts when we talk about uh, music and writing, uh, the this whole uh, um, idea of of producing quality over mediocrity is blowing up the um, the publishing the Christian publishing side of things um, uh, the Christian writers are are more and more pushing to create um, very well produced content mm-hmm. um, we don't see it so much in, in the, on the music side because you know what sells and, and what gets on the radio is very formulaic um, and I would I would argue that there are some there's some very good quality Christian musicians out there that that nobody ever gets to hear because you know they're not on the radio and you have to go mm-hmm. looking for them. So uh, along those same lines, uh, the, the Christian films have have sort of got this reputation of being very low quality, uh, especially when you when you consider what what Hollywood is producing the 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 directing the acting the everything just seems subpar and forced at times um so can you speak to that why 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 have we not 
risen it's 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 my my opinion i believe i believe a lot of christians will 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 agree with this uh, being christians we we serve the greatest creative force in the entire universe and so we have the right to be the greatest creative people on the planet but we're not yeah well can you speak to that please um the biggest I, i've had discussions like this with lots of people that work they have a foot in both the kind of faith-based film industry and they also work in the secular industry as well and i i absolutely totally agree that in terms of a lot not all but a lot of faith-based films you see people that they i i hate to say they don't care about the quality because i think they do care about the quality but they focus so much more on trying to say we have a we have a message and we have um uh, we have this we have a sermon that we want you to see and we want to make a movie about it and they focus so much on that sermonistic kind of um preachy side of things that they sacrifice good stories and that's the exact thing that has backlash in the publishing industry Mm -hmm. Uh, there's so much backlash over preachy books um, you know, I'm surprised we're not seeing the same thing in the faith-based film. Oh, we, we do. The, uh, one of the Kendrick Brothers films, it's not God's Not Dead. I, I forget the name of it, but it literally ended with um, the, the, the ending scene was a, this main character standing up in front of a church giving a sermon. And it's like, if you want to see a sermon, go to church. If you want, people don't go to the movies to see a sermon. They go to the movies to be entertained. Now, right. as faith-based filmmakers, you can have a little bit of both in there. Now, now I, I, for me personally, I've never had a sermon in a film and I never want to. Um, for me, the, uh, the primary reason to make a film is to tell a story with a biblical worldview. Right. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when I look at, as a Christian, when I look at storytellers, we have access to the greatest storyteller on the planet, and that's Jesus. And look at how he taught. He told stories. We still talk about these stories today. The, the sower, the, the, uh, the prodigal son, um, all of these stories that Jesus told, and he told 30, 40, I don't remember the, I don't have the exact number in front of me. I think it's like 36 parables across all the gospels. And if you look at how he told the stories, uh, I, I saw a fantastic, I did, I do watch sermons. I did see a fantastic sermon by Francis Chan where he actually went through what it would be like to watch Jesus telling the story. And he said, imagine you're in this field in Israel and this guy gets out and talks about a farmer sowing seeds. And, he's, and he talks about these four seeds and where they land. Then he says, okay, have a nice day. And he walks off. And that's all he leaves you with. There's no altar call. There's no explanation. Now, he, he did take the disciples aside separately. And he said, this is what that means. He broke down the, the biblical aspects of that for the people that were there and wanted to hear it. Um, a lot of people, a lot of Christian filmmakers think they need to put all that into the film. And so they take huge chunks of what should be just effective storytelling and they say, we're, we'll, we'll have a sermon and we'll have an altar call and then we'll have a big Christian concert at the end and it'll be awesome. And I, I do want to specify this. If a filmmaker wants to make a film for the Christian audience, for a church audience, that's fantastic. 
there's a there is a market for that there is um obviously people that will spend money to go see that uh the success of movies like courageous war room um now all those movies have issues and i will not i will not pretend that they're perfect movies at all but having films made for the christian market is not in itself a bad thing uh, I've seen a lot of bad Christian movies that people say you should support it because it's Christian. And I'm like, why am I, why, again, why are we supporting mediocrity? Why are we saying it's okay to make something with bad acting, with bad directing, with bad um, camera work? When we, again, we should be making the best possible art in this case. When I think about it, the church used to be the patron of the arts and we yeah. have, we have sculptors and people don't think about the fact that all these sculptors that were made under the auspices of the Catholic church, really um, the Catholic church was supporting the arts. They said, we're going to pay you to create art. And that's something that is very, very hard in the modern church that I'm finding it's very, very hard to get that support and funding from the modern church. I think that, I think the trend is starting to shift a little bit, but in terms of actually fundraising so we can hire good talent so we can hire skilled people that know what they're doing um you're still seeing a lot of pushback on that and then you tell people hey i'm making this i'm going to make a faith-based film oh what what sermon is going to be in the end i'm not going to have a sermon in it people get like well then is it a faith-based film absolutely it Mm. can be and i think of something like uh the narnia films they told a biblical faith-based story very well, high, high production value, lots of good, very good CGI, a great story based in C.S. Lewis, but there wasn't really, there wasn't a sermon in that, but they used allegory and they used fantasy to convey a biblical worldview and a biblical message in a really clear way. And people that are curious about that, they then will look into it and they will learn on their own. Right. I think uh, um, Francis Schaeffer uh, talks about this whole worldview and, and how at, at one point in history, and th- this whole idea that we've got to compartmentalize Christian art into our own sort of subculture and, and, and subgenres is, is relatively modern. And mm-hmm. that at one point it was to, to be a Christian artist simply meant you created excellent art and through the body of your work, people could see your worldview through the mm-hmm. body of your work. And I think that's a, such a, a, a much better way to approach it. That just, you know, do your art and do it with excellence mm-hmm. and uh, let your worldview shine through. You don't have to beat people over the head. And you mentioned audience. Most of the audiences, the audience of these films are, are Christians or are church people. Mm-hmm. And, and they're already getting a sermon two or three times a week. Yeah. Um, so how do we how do we get to the next step? How do we get to that point where um, our quality is rivaling uh, is 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 sort of a, a rivalry to what Hollywood is producing? On one level, the first obviously the first thought that a lot of people think of that is um, well, if you if if and this is a thought process I've had too. If we have more money we can do better work. But I mean, we've all seen the hundred million dollar films that are just not good. You know, Hollywood makes big budget movies that are just not good. So just, and then, and then I think of, uh, I think of like, uh, like uh, I'm just going to throw it out there, the Blair Witch Project, Mm -hmm. which made a ton of money and uh, uh, was, was done for practically nothing. 
And they, but they had a very unique, what made them successful was they were their marketing campaign because they were in the infancy of the internet and they had this Uh, viral thing of, Oh, this is an actual story. And people for a while thought it was an actual, (laughs) right. Right. They had contracted with the actors that the actors weren't going to appear for something like six months or eight months after the film premiered so that people thought it was real. And so it just goes to show you that, that that some creative thinking can outdo big budget. Mm -hmm. And Something I always tell, I, I, I have a lot of students, something I tell my students, if I give you a $50,000 camera, that doesn't mean you're going to make a good movie. So having a huge budget, budget is not in itself a problem solver. The trick is finding and developing the skills to do it well. Um, I would rather give Steven Spielberg a, uh, a cell phone to shoot on than give one of my students a $50,000 red camera because the quality you're going to get out of that is going to be extremely different. It's not the tools, it's how they are used. And so one of the things we have to do and something that I'm trying to work on myself is training up people, training up excellent people that know how to problem solve. A big, one of the biggest aspects of filmmaking is problem solving. Hey, we have to shoot the scene. It's super dark. What do we do about it? Well, we need to bring in more lights and figuring out we don't have a budget. We don't have $50,000 to rent a bunch of lights. So how do we spend $300 and get the lighting we need? And that's just being creative. It's being, it's knowing um, the tools to use and how to use them. Um, One of the big things is telling the story. It's there, there is a certain amount of creative freedom that comes with a lower budget. If you have a huge budget, everybody that's giving money to you is going to have a say in how you do things. If you have a smaller budget, you have a, you, you seem to have much more control. At least the director has a lot more control over what am I going to do with this? Because I, I don't have as much money. Yes, but I have more control over what's going on. So I actually have a deeper say in it. And the, I would say the number one thing is you cannot make a good film from a bad script. And so learning how to tell those stories, being effective storytellers, I'm still taking classes myself. I have all these degrees. They mean nothing because I'm still learning how to tell effective stories. I have projects I've worked on. I looked at my old projects and I'm like, I can do so much better than that. And I've learned from them. Um, I'm taking a a writing class right now that is helping so far in, in terms of being effective storytellers. And so we need to always be learning. We need to always be thinking about, um, how can I improve? How can I keep telling effective stories? How can I, how can I grow as a writer? How can I grow as a director? Um, something that I have noticed, and this is a weird thing. I, I, I work with a lot of, uh, or I interact with a lot of people that do Christian short films and they always ask for feedback. And this is something that it's in terms of a mindset for Christian creatives I see two different mindsets. Um, I will always give feedback and I will always be totally honest with someone and I will be very specific about the feedback that I give them. Uh, Now my feedback is never you did a bad job or you did a good job. That's not Mm -hmm. effective feedback. My feedback is, Hey, this shot from three minutes, this shot from three minutes, 30 seconds to four minutes, 30 seconds. He's drinking a glass of orange juice. Do you really need a minute long shot of somebody drinking a glass of orange juice? Yes, that's in a film and it's right. just it's mind boggling. <laughs> but the thing that I always get is, 
I get two different reactions when I do that. And I, and I have always started to preface, and I always preface my response to someone by saying, do you really want my feedback? I will always ask that before I give it to them because, and they will always say, yes, of course I want it. And I will give them, I will give them pages of very specific, very technical feedback. Some of it is my opinion. Some of it is if you cut this shot off, that that will play a little better. Some of it is very technical in terms of you you jump the line, which is a film term of where people are facing in terms of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten two different reactions. One reaction is thank you, that's that's really good stuff. I hadn't thought about that. The other is why do you hate my film so much? And I'm like, it's not about that. It's about that those technical things that you can do to improve the quality, and what you're doing isn't working. And I'll be, I'm very specific about that. And so the ability to give and receive effective feedback, because a lot yeah. of people just want pat on the back, good job. And you got to be teachable. I mean, that's in, in any of the arts. If, if you're going to be successful, you got to be teachable. And, and if your mom tells you it's great, that's great, <laughs> but it doesn't really help you grow any. It doesn't help us. No, your mom doesn't your count. <laughs> <laughs> my mom loved it. And I, and I, I, I show my mom stuff and she loves it. And I'm like, that's great, but I'm not going to ask my mom for feedback because right. what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the people that I know know what should be expected. And I'm going to rely on their feedback more than somebody that just does a good job because that's going to help me grow as an artist. It's going to help encourage me to say, I've learned from this. How can I do better in the future? Right. Um, well, uh, let's, let's, I want to ask one final question here. We were uh, winding down on our time. Um, one of the things I, I crave as a parent is, is good quality, good quality TV, good quality films. I can enjoy my family. And, and uh, let's face it, Christian's, we go to the secular world for our entertainment. We go to the Christian film because we want to either feel guilty or feel good about, feel good about ourselves. Um, or, or we are around uh, other, other Christians and we want to show something Christian because we think that's what we're, what's expected of us. And we go home and we turn on Netflix and, and, and you see this whole lineup of TV mature television programming and movies. And, and I, I don't know how many people, but I imagine more than would admit it, go straight to those TV mature programming and, and start watching them from yeah. their home, from their own couches. Um, there's very little that's safe for the family. So my question is, is, is why, why aren't Christians working harder to get family friendly content onto networks and onto Netflix and things like that so that we have a family-friendly uh, option for entertainment and that doesn't immediately go to something that, that's preaching. And, and I, uh, I want to mention uh, Patricia Heaton's The Middle because mm-hmm. this, is, this is really one of the closest things that I found. Our family loves the show, um, but uh, even, even that, it's, it's mostly family-friendly, but even that every once in a while gets a little close to the line mm-hmm. uh, that I'm comfortable with. Um, but why aren't we working harder to get into that area with some family-friendly content? Primarily, one of the things I would say is if you're if you're looking for that in on ABC and NBC, there are so many gatekeepers mm. on the on the network broadcast side of things that aren't Christian that don't care about creating that type of family friendly content. That it's people 
people that are Christians that are filmmakers, they're going to have a hard time getting into that area just to begin with, just because there are so many gatekeepers on that aspect of it, which is weird to me because, well, it's not so much weird. And I'll come back to why it's not weird in just a second. But when I think, again, when I think historically, um, are you familiar with the show from, I believe it was the eighties and nineties, eighties or nineties touched by an angel. Yes. Um, Obviously, very faith-based. I think they only mentioned Christ in one episode, but there was a something I learned just fairly recently about that episode. That TV show was made when uh, I think it was on CBS. CBS was about to go under. They were almost. They were. They had almost no money. They were about to fold as a company. They made Touched by an Angel. That TV show alone saved that company. Hmm that got them through that financial crisis that they were going through because that show was so loved. And then you have, um, there was a TV show, Seventh Heaven, right. where very family friendly for about three seasons, two or three seasons, they were very family friendly. It was very, very popular. Um, lots of people enjoyed it and watched it. And then apparently, and the story goes, and this is just a story. I don't know if this is 100% accurate. The story goes that one of the main actresses said, I want this I want to be, have edgier storylines in the film. And so they, in this show, and they started incorporating that when they started incorporating those edgier stories, ratings dropped because people saw that and they said, I don't want to expose my family to this anymore. And so the ratings dropped and the show got canceled. So in terms of broadcast, just general, I'm going to flip on the television and watch. Um, we have to remember it's called show business for a reason. It's not show art. We Hollywood is a is an industry. They are trying to make money. That is their primary focus. So when you have things like Game of Thrones, um, that are obviously a lot of people say that's content that's way out there. We have want nothing to do with it. But a majority of the audience will still watch it. There's a huge audience that still watches that, and they're still trying to make money. And so in the isn't in the industry they start thinking that is the audience that is what people want to watch so they start leaning towards more content that is a lot more questionable because they're trying to reach the broadest audience unfortunately christian filmmakers and tv makers producers um they they're not going to reach that direction they're not going to go for that uh i don't know if you you're even aware of this i didn't hear about it until a trip to Los Angeles, there was a very short-lived TV show called uh, Kings and Prophets. And it was roughly no. based, it was roughly, it was supposed to be based on um, Saul and David and their interactions. The problem was they basically took the names of those characters and dropped it into Game of Thrones. Right. In terms of content. So well, I they're think- I was looking for the next Game of Thrones. And I, so I think it lasted maybe four episodes before they canceled it. I never even saw one. I saw the trailer of it and I'm like, this is not in any way related to what I want to watch. And so it was, they were trying to take the Bible and they say, we're going to appeal to Christians with this. And we're going to appeal to the world with this game of Thrones type secularism. And it's, and it just didn't work at all. And you would think they would learn from that. And you'd think Hollywood would learn from the success of movies like war room. And to a point they have, only in as far as they know there is an audience for those films, but they still are not, that's still in terms of audience, that's still not a huge audience that they're going for. So long story short, film film and television is going to go 
the secular film and television is going to go where the money is. Right. And right now we're leaning towards more extreme content, even on everyday television that does leave Christian filmmakers with a unique, again, a unique niche that they can fill. We know that there's an audience for that. We know that people want to watch family friendly content. The trick is getting it out there. And that's where things like, and, and I'm not trying to promote any specific service or anything, but that is where something like salt flicks has or salt flicks pure flicks they have an opportunity to say we have this content um and then it gets back into are they producing original content who is that content for uh i know pure flicks has done an original comedy series i actually haven't watched it i don't know how good it is but um we tend to christian filmmakers tend to focus on i'm making a a heavy drama for adults and that's fine but we're missing huge other parts of the content. Like I think of Veggie Tales from a few years ago that was wildly successful. I mean, both for kids because kids loved it. And I was in college when it was coming out and we watched it as college students because it was hilarious. There's that niche in there where we need Christian filmmakers need to be filling that role for what are we making for kids? What are we making for teenagers that deal with teen problems in a through a biblical lens and what are we doing for college age students um so in terms of why we're not seeing more of that on television it's film it's a show business it's not show art and the opportunity is there for christian filmmakers to fill in that gap how we do it well that kind of comes back around to what's the state of the industry right now we're kind of up in the air we're we're playing around with where things are going to land after covid after all this stuff after theaters have been closed down for so long where are we going to go with that so i hate to say i don't really have an answer for that right now but i will say we have an opportunity and i think the door is wide open for christian filmmakers that are making content for um for those groups something i would love to see is a faith-based show for men. We don't have a lot of those. A lot of them aim towards kind of the female audience. We don't have a lot of shows that show Christian men being good fathers, being good right. workers, being these leaders in the family, because there's been this whole lean towards making the dad the joke, the butt of the jokes for so long. And we're kind of really losing a lot of that even in our storytelling, we are losing a lot of that um, effective biblical masculinity that's been lacking for a long time. And so that's something that that's another niche that Christian filmmakers can fill and it's getting ready and saying, what are the best stories we can tell in those, in those, in those gaps, but also being able to say, we need to get this to an audience. So how's the best way we reach an audience? Is it through video on demand? Is it, trying to sell something to Netflix? Is it trying to go on pure flicks and market it really well? So the opportunity is there to make that good content. It's just getting the support on the production side of things because making films isn't free, getting the quality. So we're not preaching, we're not just doing preaching sermons, we're telling effective stories and also getting them to the audience so that the audience knows about it. Because if you make the best film in the world and nobody knows about it, nobody's going to watch it. Right. So it's getting it out there, distributing it, getting it marketed, getting people to realize that it's there. Okay. Well, Michael, thank you so much. Um, there, there, there's questions I wanted to uh, go over that we didn't get a chance to go over. You conversation has brought up new questions I want to talk about. Would you be willing to come back on and do another podcast uh, in a few weeks? Uh, excellent. Um, 
could you take a moment and tell uh, everybody who's maybe watching or listening how they can find out more about you and about some of the film projects that you've been involved in? Uh, I have a website, michaeldhead.com. It's my middle initials in there too. Um, that's where I post uh, a lot of my content that I've done before. It's also just kind of information about what's going on. I'm actually in the process of starting probably a blog or a video or a vlog um, where people can actually, I'm just going to give my thoughts on thoughts on the film industry and the Christian film industry in general. Um, I'm a techie, so I'm going to do a lot of tech discussion too. Um, my YouTube channel is Michael D. Head. Uh, I do... I'm going to be posting more vlogs soon. You can see this is a recent vlog setup that I've been working on. Uh, and so that's kind of the main main way. Uh, Instagram, Michael D. Head. Facebook, Michael D. Head, if you want to reach out to me there. And yeah, I'm going to be posting information as, as I can. Like I said, I have several things in development that I can't really talk about yet because it's still really early, but sure. we are working on it. Um, I, I see the, the need and I'm trying to be one to actually reach into that need and, and fill that gap. Okay, excellent. Well, all, all those links I'll put in the description uh, below on YouTube and, and the podcast description. Um, and we will have Michael on again a second time to continue this conversation. Uh, thank you, everybody who uh, has been watching on YouTube. Thank you for subscribing, for all your comments. And thank you uh, for those who listen on your podcast. And um, hope we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. This has been the Christian Arts and Entertainment Podcast with author, musician, and worship pastor, Kevin Newsom. Thank you for joining us today, for your comments, and for subscribing. See you next time.